What is the science of reading? What are leaders doing to accelerate reading achievement? We answer these questions and more in Science of Reading Leadership, Guiding Minds, Transforming Lives, powered by Just Right Reader. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. Terry and I are so excited to have all of you here listening with us, and we are even more excited about our guest today. Today, we have Cincinnati Superintendent Ironetta Wright. Um, Ironetta actually started her career as a Florida native in Duval County Public Schools, where for over 25 years, she served as a teacher, assistant principal, middle and high school principal, regional superintendent, and ultimately in the role of chief of schools, then moved on to being the deputy superintendent of schools in Detroit Public Schools Community District, and now the 20. Superintendent of Cincinnati Public Schools. Superintendent Wright has been recognized as a City Year Champion of Education, United Negro College Fund Innovator in Education, a Woman of Excellence by the Michigan Chronicle, and Chiefs for Change Future Chief. Ironetta Wright, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. We are really excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about the background of your district as it relates to literacy. So Cincinnati Public Schools is Ohio's second largest pre-K-12 school district. We serve about 36,000 students and now 66 schools. Uh, two of our board approved goals are focused on reading, increasing proficiency, as well as closing a proficiency gap. So we're using the ABCs of academics, behavior, and culture to meet our goals through our new adopted, newly adopted strategic plan. I love that. The ABCs. Have you, how have you used that to establish the infrastructure around high quality literacy instruction? So as we think about, you know, ABCs, there's nothing more basic than the ABCs. And when mm -hmm. we think about specifically academics, it is what are we looking at in the classroom? What are we seeing in terms of pedagogy? And what are we looking at in terms of curriculum? And do we ensure that our curriculum is truly aligned overall to standards? So when we think about literacy, our district happens to be one that has believed in the science of reading for a period of time. So the basis of the work that we do has its foundation in the science of reading. I'm a, a huge proponent. Uh, and believe that that's really important. And my district actually was doing that work before I came here. So what we've really done is really spend additional time around strengthening the core, making sure that our tier one instruction is where it needs to be. So that as we are really helping our teachers understand what needs to happen for our students, they're doing that through a tier two and a tier three lens as well. Um, Ironetta, I know that you have a really big focus in your district, particularly on um, the English learners and their students and the students and their families. Tell us a little bit more about how when you entered the school district, that how did you know that needed to be a priority? What um, steps did you take in terms of that problem finding? One of the ways that we came to the ABCs is because my first uh, month in the district, I visited uh, 45 of my schools in the first 30 days. And in the second 30 days, I visited the other 25. At that time, I had 65 schools. We purchased a new school this past year. And so in doing that and uh, going to the schools, it was obvious that we had a lot of our students that were multilingual learners that were in our buildings and going into classrooms and observing where they were and the kind of supports they were getting. I think that um, our district really had a lot of growth uh, with our multilingual families uh, and the students that we serve. So we increased from um, 
you know, increased about 45% over the past five years. And, and so that's been a huge increase, right? And so we have 77 different languages that are spoken in our school district. And right now it's about 12% of our overall enrollment are multilingual students. That was a fast paced growth for our district. And having had a lot of experience with our multi-language learners or ELL learners, depending on where you are, what, what you call what you call the students, it, it's really important to make sure that they have the right kind of services, that they have the right kind of support so that we can see them actualize what we expect to happen with them in the classroom. Oh, that's fantastic. That is 77 languages. That's a lot of languages in one district. So um, how have you supported all of those languages and all of those families, or how do you plan to continue to support them going forward? Yeah, so, you know, having been, a, um, you know, April was my 30th year in public education, and about a little over 20 years ago, I was a principal of a school that was an ELL school. We were a center school when I was in Florida. And so I had about 40 different languages in my building at that time. And what I learned through that process, and I, I am a mono language speaker, so I'm only, I only speak English right now. Uh, eventually I'm going to learn Spanish. I speak a little bit of French, but not enough to call myself proficient. But what I recognized during that time as a principal is there is not one individual that is going to be able to speak the multitude of languages that we see in school buildings. So it's important that we work with our staff around strategies, that we have additional strategies for making sure that our students are able to access the information that we're providing for them. Over the course of the year, so much has changed. And one of the things that's changed is the access that students have now to interpretation. So whether that is over the phone, whether it's using other forms of technology. So making sure that we are uh, have we have um, resources available for our families that will allow them to access all of the work that we're doing, as well as working with teachers around strategies for working with students that are multilingual learners. Tell us a little bit more about the role of the family in, prom in promoting um, their EL students' literacy. What types of things have you done to support families um, and their students and maybe even their own literacy growth? Yeah, so this year, so there were a couple of things. Um, it was really important to me uh, over the summer, We, I was talking to my team and I wanted to make sure that we touched every one of our ELL families, that we literally went to their homes um, because of all of the things that have happened in our world. Not all of our families feel very comfortable coming to the school. So we want to make sure that they know that they have a safe space with us and that there are opportunities for them to engage with us. And even with that, there are some families that aren't comfortable with us coming to their home. So during the summer, um, we worked with our staff and we made sure that we touched every one of our ELL families uh, over the summer. And in doing so, it wasn't just about going out to do the touch, but with our younger children, we partnered with Just Right Reader, as you know. Um, I, when I saw the resource, um, the decodables, every, a lot of people have decodables, right? And I, I, you know, decodables, that's, that's not the thing that makes, makes the resource different. What caused me to stop and pay attention was the lesson that was on the back of the decodable and recognizing that there was a lesson on the back of the decodable that went with the book that was both in English and in Spanish. And I knew that that would offer an opportunity to provide support for our students, of course, but also support to everyone in the household. Because many of our families, our students, their students are coming to school, they're getting support, but not all of the families are getting that same kind of support when it comes to literacy. So that was one of the things that we started with during the summer. 
And it was very, very highly received, very well received. Um, and there was a lot of excitement around it because one of the things that we received back from many in the community was they felt seen and they felt that as an administration, we really were paying attention to what was happening with the students. Uh, this year, we've expanded positions to support our students and their families. We have an ELL family coordinator at each one of our schools that has a high population of ELL students and they promote improved learning outcomes for our learners uh, by, by improving support and services to students. So these coordinators build rapport with students and families. They track and support individual student progress they conduct home visits and they connect to connect the families to community partners and support teachers and school teams with provisions of services. These coordinators work individually with students on their progress, which includes literacy, but they also support the whole child and provide family support. So we're really excited about that um, because it allows us to really have a point person at the school that families can build a relationship with, feel comfortable with, and then they can also serve as a conduit between them and all of the other things that are happening within our school community. I think that's powerful. That's really powerful that you have them really that point person. And I think a question that would be helpful in that, with that thought in mind is, as they're that point person, as you're actually boots to the ground, getting in there and, have, and having these uh, relationships, what are some of the unforeseen challenges that have come up or unforeseen things that you've tackled that you've been able to create successful plans around? I think one of the, the, the main areas has been identifying the other resources that families need. Um, yeah. So the individuals that are working as the, the boots on the ground individual that's really um, the, 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 the ELL um, support coordinator, they're able to then connect the family to other services in the community. They're able to connect them to other resources in the community and able to connect them to other services and resources in the school. Because sometimes there are, uh, there are services available and families just don't realize it. And so making sure that they have a person that they have a comfort with, that they know that they can call on, that can get additional questions asked, and they're going to help them figure out whatever it is you're trying to figure out. I think the other thing that's also important is even though we have our, um, our, our support for our families through our family coordinators, that person is not a team of one. There is a, a, a comprehensive team at the school. So of course you have your, your principal, your assistant principal, your teachers, but each of our schools also has a school social worker that works directly with families, with students and families as well. And so it allows for there to be a comprehensive approach to working with our children and their families. This episode is brought to you by Just Right Reader. Extend phonics instruction, strengthen school-home partnerships, and accelerate reading achievement with take-home decodable packs from Just Right Reader. Personalized take-home packs make phonics fun and accessible for families. Every book comes with a video phonics lesson and writing pages to help readers reinforce their decoding and writing skills. To learn more, visit JustRightReader.com. What a, a great use of, of resources to be expanding the personnel to support those families. I would love for you to, one of our goals with the podcast is that we have um, a lot of hopefully district leaders listening in. And if we had district leaders who were listening and heard about your home visits, and then I think you might've also done some things for families who were not comfortable with home visits. You did some like neighborhood kind of, I don't want to call them block parties, but could you share a little bit more about what the logistics looked like for, for those home visits, for the, the gathering spaces? 
Absolutely. So we started by, you know, making sure that we had all of our students identified. So we knew we, we actually did additional hiring of staff over the summer so that we had enough individuals um, that they could touch the 3,000 students that they needed to touch through, during the summer. So um, after we did that, we then started to make contact with families. For some families, as I shared earlier, there is a comfort with individuals coming to their homes. For other families, just because of what's happened to them in our country, they're not as comfortable with people coming to their house and knocking on their door. So we made telephone calls to let them know that we were coming. If they were not comfortable with that, we then looked at other locations. So whether that was a, a library in the area, whether it was a community uh, agency in the area, we worked with those agencies to then have the families come to a place that was then comfortable for them and we were still able to get done what we needed to get done. Um, when we shared our decodable books this summer, we asked families to commit to reading the books for 30 minutes each day to set their child up as they were getting ready for great success for the school year. And so it was really important that we um, not just gave them the resource, but had someone that was there with them that could help them utilize the resource, understand the resource. And then they were able to begin building relationships and forging relationships with them. So it really made it really, really important and really special for our community. I, I think I heard, and this might not be the right number, but your team did over a thousand home visits in just like a month, right? That's correct. That's correct. Wow. It was somewhere <laughs> like 1,500, but yeah. Definitely. Wow. Wow. That is powerful. Um, so what are you doing to um, ensure that your teachers take all that you're doing and continue to um, be prepared to teach reading once they've created that connection with the community? I think that it's recognizing that we want to make sure that our students have access to, to high quality curriculum. Uh, so through our professional development, we really work with our educators to make sure that they're equipped with what they need to provide the additional support to their students. And I would say that it's not easy. You know, when you think about um, the, the, the challenges that you have just in the classroom alone, and then you compound that with students that might be speaking four or five different languages in the class at one time, how are you able to, to access them and how are you able to provide support for them. Um, so we do work with our independent uh, school district that is here um, to do PSYOP training, which is additional training for, for students, uh, for teachers, specifically working with students that are ELL learners. We partner with our universities in the area because many of them offer additional coursework as well. And so it becomes a way for teachers to further develop their own skills and their own strategies. One of the things that we found the most beneficial, honestly, this year has been the way that we've been providing support from the district level and that's by having additional staff we have a, a direct a senior director of of um, our overall all of our equity programs and so when we think about that it's like how are we making sure that we're providing support and access so along with her there is an additional coach that, that goes out to schools to work specifically with teachers in the classroom. And we increased that. Last year, we had one, 1.5. This year, we increased that to two individuals that were really able to go out and provide additional support. So we're continuing to look at ways that we can strengthen the teacher skills as they're working with our students so that then they're also able to share those additional resources. We also have a, a online support where our, our, our programs, um, any of the programs that we have, as well as our website and all of those things are translatable. So mm. um, we work with our families on helping them understand how to translate. It translates into 
you know, about a hundred different languages. Um, but we also work with them on understanding the translation as well as how they can get access for translation if they go to a school building and there is not anyone there that can work with them. So it, it, there, are, there are a lot of different things happening at once, but all of them are very important. You all have done so much in such a short amount of time. How long have you been in Cincinnati? Yeah, so I started in Cincinnati May 2nd of 2022. So I am coming up. <laughs> she came on, ready, ready. Uh, May 2nd, <laughs> ready. So um, May, this May will be my second full year oh, yeah. here. It's pretty unique because I started at the end of the school year. So I actually have graduates from 22. Um, because I was their superintendent at the time that they graduated. Um, but in terms of my first full school year, it was last school year. So I will, uh, my second year will be May 2nd of 2024. Excellent. What are, so you've, you've talked about what you've already done in the short amount of time, you know, less than two years. Are there um, any things, um, any pieces of strategy that are on your plan to continue to support EL students and their literacy development that you're excited about or think will make a big impact? Yeah, I think that there are, there are a few different things. Um, one of them is really continuing to make sure that we are providing teachers with the kind of support that they need in terms of strategies to be able to reach our students. I think that that's the first. The second is we are doing more in terms of having kind of that one-stop shop in terms of support. So for example, we just had our magnet school and our high school uh, application process open. And so our ELL team, our multilingual team, um, is running office hours just so that they can assist families uh, during that time. So they can assist them with any questions that they may have so that access is really important. I think the other thing is we want to see more of our students that are multilingual in some of our higher performing programs and making sure that they know that they can apply to those programs and those programs are appropriate programs for them as well. So really beginning to change the thought process and the mindset around you know, what can really happen and, and what our students can truly do. Um, at one of our schools, we just recently hired a new principal there who has a background in ELL. Actually, I think his, a part of his, his studies are in, in ELL services, but but the way that he is interacting with families and including them and bringing them in has just been very rewarding. And so we've begun to use that really in terms of models, right? Um, we have, we do a, a parent surveys and he had the highest number of surveys in the entire district, the highest percentage of surveys based on his number of, of families. So that comes from pure engagement. And so we want to make sure that we're continuing to use that as a model. So a lot on the horizon, um, uh, just making sure that all of our families, we are, we are a very diverse community and we want to make sure that all of our families know that they're included and that they have a place with us and that we are here to serve them and we want to provide the best service that they can possibly get. You are, listen, I admire you so much. I, I love everything that you're doing and I really love how you're paying attention to what's happening and then tapping in to the success to replicate that, right? There is so much power in that. You also talked about earlier that you've always believed in the science of reading and that you've always had that connection to it. So I want to ask you, how can we get other district leaders, how can we get them to buy into this science of reading? So I was able to co-author. I don't know if co is the right term because there were three of us. I don't think try is the right. So co-author <laughs> around, around the science of reading back in April uh, with 
um, Dr. Latanya Goffney uh, from Aldine, Texas. Um, she's the superintendent of Aldine and um, um, uh, Sonia Santelisis from Baltimore. And so we co-authored a piece um, around uh, just an op-ed around the importance of the science of reading. And one of the things that we recommended um, to our colleagues as a part of that is a term that I use quite a bit in my district, but it's really to be present, lean in, go into classrooms, look at what's happening in terms of the classrooms. As you're thinking about curriculum, analyze the curriculum, work with your curriculum lead so that you have clarity around the expectations for what you should be seeing with students. While we're talking about the science of reading, the same thing is also true for foundational math. So making sure that we're just very present when it comes to what our students need and how we're engaging around that. You know, I, I am, um, um, I, I say in my in my next life, you know, I am going to do professional development full time because I love that so much. But I've always been really, really big on curriculum and really big on instructional instructional leadership and what that looks like. And it's important for us to work with our school leaders around doing the same thing. So modeling what we expect, being engaged in the curriculum, knowing what you're expecting to see in classrooms, walking with those because you can't be an expert in everything. So finding the expert in your district and walking with those individuals so that you have clarity and then working with your leaders so that they know as they're going into classrooms what they're expecting to see, what gets monitored gets done. And so if you're monitoring what's happening in the classrooms, you're going to see something different with what's happening in the classrooms. Teachers wanna do a great job for students. That's why they're here. They wanna do a great job for students, but they have so many different things coming at them right now that it makes it difficult sometimes to just focus on the art and the science of teaching. So it's important that we make sure that we're providing them the necessary tools so that they can use all of those resources to benefit the students in the classrooms. I love that perspective about teachers do want to do a good job and they, they do. do want to focus on their craft, but sometimes we give them too much <laughs> and they're, they're not able to focus as much on that as we would like. Ironetta, we've heard so many of the wonderful things that you're doing in Cincinnati. Is there anything else that you feel like um, we should know and our listeners should know about um, the way that Cincinnati is supporting literacy and supporting students? I think that we have to keep the main thing the main thing. I believe that education is the great equalizer and being able to read is a civil right. It is important for our students to be able to read and they come to us and it's our responsibility to make sure they get there. Um, you know, our parents don't send the worst kids to school and keep the best ones at home. They send us all they have. And when they send them to us, it's, it's for us to then take them and cultivate them and mold them into what we know that they can be. Um, I work in an urban school district. All of my school districts have been urban. And so looking at what happens in urban environments, there are stereotypical things that happen in every urban environment. But at the end of the day, the difference that is made is what's happening in the classroom, how students are being supported, what are the additional resources that we can provide for them in terms of support, and making sure that whatever we do is both diagnostic and prescriptive because it helps our students stay focused. I wanna try to find a different way to say, this is why I love you. Like, <laughs> I wanna try to find a different way of wording that. But every time I hear you, any podcast, anytime I listen to you, I hear your teacher's heart, right? It, and that is beautiful because I always hear the heart of a teacher and everything you say and everything you do. Now, I, we always ask one uh, question to every person that we have on our podcast before we get them to leave. So, or before we sign off, the question is, 
what two leadership actions can district leaders take and in your instance to support EL populations in their literacy development? I think one of the first things um, that they can do is make sure that the resources that are available for our EL students are quality resources, um, ensuring that they have access to high quality materials and they are that we're working with them in terms of those high quality materials. And that's not always easy. So that's why it's important to look at the other resources that you have available, to look at your translation services so that you're, you're knowing where students are and where they're performing. So I think that's one that's important. I think the second is really thinking differently about how you're serving your brand new to the country students that have not had much interaction and sometimes it's not much interaction with schooling you know other times it is they're behind before they came so really thinking intimately about how you're going to provide additional wraparound services to them what does the work around newcomers look like and how are you then orienting them not just to the educational system but how are you orienting them to their new community how are you helping to make them and their families a part of their new community and so those would those would probably be two basic areas and they don't sound very basic, but those would be two things that I would think would really be important. You know, focusing on newcomers is a part of our new strategic plan. As we think about really where we're looking to go next, it's important that we can't just talk about it. We have to be about it. So if we're really going to be about it, you commit it to paper. You develop a plan to do it so that you can then monitor it through to the end. I'm not sure how we could end on a better note other than we can't just talk about it. We've got to be about it. Mic drop. <laughs> I've, I've heard Ironetta say that, you know, at heart, she's a practitioner. I, I think I we were at a conference and you said, I am a practitioner at heart and I always will be. And, and that has come through in, in all of our conversation today. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing your insights and your wisdom with our other district leaders across the country. We, we so appreciate having you and tune in next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. If you found this conversation valuable, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next time on Science of Reading Leadership, Guiding Minds, Transforming Lives.